the Bible. Are you intimidated at the thought of reading such a complicated book? Do you find it daunting or delightful or both? Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. The Bible book club where we read every word of this great book and then dig in and study it together. We are right in the middle of Joseph's journey and what a journey it's been. God has been preparing Joseph for leadership in prison. And <laughs> prison. <laughs> yeah, leadership in prison. Those two things don't Yay. seem like they go together, no. but they do. Just listen. It's going to be so much fun. So Joseph has interpreted the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer. The baker was killed. The cupbearer, he regained his position just like Joseph said he would, but he forgot about Joseph for two long years until Pharaoh started dreaming. And then Joseph was called to interpret. They remembered him. He predicted a seven-year famine, and then he laid out a strategy for Pharaoh to follow, and then he got the job. Have you ever gotten the job when you did a really good job on a job interview? That was like the ultimate job interview, and he got it. Yay. And it was a big jump. And so he was promoted from prison to the palace. Exactly. And now we find our hero... Exactly. We're in chapter 42 and 43, and our young boy, Joseph, has grown up and has grown into his gifts just in time. In the past, remember, when he was young, 17, he was too open with his brothers about what he saw in his dreams and what he thought in his heart. Not so anymore. He knows when to play his cards. And today he will hold those cards with tremendous discipline and wisdom. Now I want to pause there and talk about wisdom and discipline because they are a big thing in the Bible. And these are two traits that I really admire in Joseph because I struggle with wisdom and discipline. Oh, that is so not true. No, it is true. You are one of the most wisdom. No, no, it's but it's an effort for me because I speak too often and too impulsively. I don't take enough time to ponder and pray. And Joseph is our example because he has been forced for over 10 years to learn to wait patiently in prison, to hold his cards and wait for God's hand of opportunity. And that's hard for me. I want to jump in. And so Joseph... Once a little unwise in his presentation at 17 is now wise beyond his years at 30. There are 219 verses in the Bible about wisdom. So again, it's a big deal. 55 alone in Proverbs. And in Proverbs 2, just one little proverb, there are six verses dedicated to the topic. Proverbs is a great book to ponder if you too are seeking wisdom. It was written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, and he wrote it to his son, wanting him to be wise. And remember, Solomon was wise because he specifically asked God for just one thing. He asked for wisdom, and God was so pleased by his request that he gave him a wise and discerning heart so that there would never be anyone like him. And that's in 1 Kings 3.12. Which we're going to read someday on the Bible book. Exactly. And spoiler alert for when we do study Proverbs in the future, there is a super cool algorithm to Proverbs 2. Now, Proverbs 2 perfectly describes the mature wisdom that we are going to see in Joseph. And I want Heather to read it really quick because as you listen to just the first few verses, picture Joseph sitting in prison for a decade 
seeking God, because that is the first thing we need to do to be wise. Just like Solomon asked for it, we have to seek it out and ask for it. So read this from Proverbs 2. I'm going to read it, but I just, first of all, I want to say you are not bad at wisdom, Susan, because you are one of my own godly counsels that I use. So if there's anything that I am struggling with, you're one of my go-tos, the first person I go to, and you've given me more wisdom than I can count. So I just want everybody who's listening to know, find that person or people or create your own board of board of directors who you know that you can go to some godly counsel when you need help because wow. Susan is one of mine. Thank right. you. Now I will read your passage. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. So did you hear that? It says, if you. So the first action is for us. If you store up my commands, apply your heart to understanding, call out for insight, look for it as if it is hidden treasure. And that hidden treasure, we're going to actually talk about that next week. That's kind of a cool thing in and of itself. Hey, and if you're listening to the Bible Book Club on a regular basis, congratulations, because you're already doing those four things. Oh, exactly. You're on your way. Yes, exactly. So then it says, if you do, so it said, if you do these things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, find the knowledge of God. And this isn't fear like scary fear. This is like fear reverence fear. Like you, you learn to understand how big and great he is and you, you worship him. So, okay. So if you, then you will, because the Lord gives wisdom, it said, he holds success in store for the upright and he protects the way of the faithful. Then the outcome is this. You will understand what is right and choose every good path. And you know by now that I am all about choosing the right path between good and evil. But we have to look for it. We have to work for it. Joseph has been sitting in prison, storing up wisdom. Our boy has grown in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, which is what Jesus did in Luke 2.52. So today we begin the ending to his story, and it is a glorious ending, one that honors God and saves his people. Yeah, and I just want people to think about something. If you were Joseph and you were stewing away in jail for 10 years, what would you be doing? Would you be bitter or would you be seeking? wisdom. Right. So especially because it was an unjust imprisonment, it's not like he deserved it. Right. So he could have sat sat there and be very angry. Instead, he really just sought the Lord. And what a great lesson for all of us, but it's really hard to do. We have to embrace it. All right. I called this next section. The boys are back in town and they all really do bow down. Chapter 42 is the first journey to Egypt. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who 
went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Some dreams really do come true. I mean, picture the scene. (laughs) When we started our Joseph story, he had two dreams. Remember in chapter 37, 6, Joseph said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. I mean, they threw him in a cistern for that. Exactly. In in 37, 9, he had another dream. He told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And now here they are really bowing down to him. And you know, picture Joseph all the way through these next two chapters. His mind had to be reeling because all the brothers who were against him, all the ones who threw him in the system, cistern are there. Benjamin's not, but Benjamin wasn't with them when they threw him in the cistern. Mm-hmm. Je- Benjamin was his full Forgot brother and loved him. So the Bible is full of irony. There's always these contrasts and comparisons and just ironic things happening. And and there's a lot of irony here in the fact that the boys who almost killed Joseph rather than submit to him as men submit to Joseph rather than dying of starvation. Yeah, it's a flip. They have no idea it's him. It's a total flip. Yes. As boys, they they wanted to kill him because they didn't want to have to ever submit to him. And then as men, they submit to him by bowing down rather than dying of starvation. It's only God can do this. Yeah. There are a lot of lessons in this irony of Joseph's situation, but here are two to remember. The first is, in order to be used by God, you may be hurt by people. Oh, yeah. That Joseph is so was really hurt by this. And we're going to hear him weep. And, and this was his family. This is who he loved. He was stripped of all that. So sometimes we have to be, to be used, we have to be hurt. Well, I've heard this thing before that says hurt people hurt people. Yeah. But really sometimes hurt people can take that hurt and have empathy and use it for good and use it really as a ministry to them. And that's a, a underlying theme in the Bible as well. So one of the questions for you, if you're listening to this is how have you been used by relational hurt and how have you used that stuff to glorify God in a way that can help others? Exactly. Exactly. The second lesson is there are some lessons that can only be learned over time. Joseph didn't learn this overnight. It's been decades. He was 17. He's now 30. Oh, yeah. Think about what you've learned in the last 10 years. You've changed in the last 10 years. And instead of changing for the worse, he he could have. He was sitting there in jail, probably mad at his brothers, mad at the world, mad at all the people who lied about him. And instead of doing that, he sought God. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, The boys are back in town and Joseph now knows it and he is going to begin to test. And in this scene, Joseph masterfully brings the truth to light by patiently, masterfully testing his brothers. And I love his strategicness. It's equaled only to me by Nehemiah. Mm, Can't wait to get to that one. But now, verse seven, as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. 
Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my Lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them, You have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. I don't know how he kept it together. I would have been freaking out, especially because they said one is no more. Like they were talking about him. Oh yeah. Um, and I think he reacted here really harshly, probably because he was trying to throw them off. Like, right. I don't want them to recognize me. But he quickly comes up with the plan. And I want to talk about this three days because there is a little bit of a parallel in other parts of the Bible for this three days. So this is test part one. And test part one is he puts them in prison to consider and convict. And I want to talk about this three-day principle. Think about it. This is my observation about making big decisions. There is something about three days that gives us the time needed to see God's plan. We see this as an example. So many of my I want to be like that Bible character exercise this principle. Nehemiah spent three days observing inside Jerusalem before he went out in secret at night to examine the walls of the city. Esther fasted for three days before approaching the king. God put Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days. That was forced reflection. He didn't have a choice. Paul was struck blind for three days. So the lesson is when faced with confusion or conflict, Try this. Try being still for three days to ponder and pray, and you may find peace and an answer. If it was good enough for Joseph, it's good enough for us. And 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 here's what happens. He puts the, the brothers in prison for three days to consider their sin. Because if you're in prison, you're going to think about what in the world got me here. You have to wonder what the brothers thought as they sat in prison, possibly the very prison that Joseph had spent 10 years in. Because remember, Joseph was assigned to a royal prison. And this clearly is also. So this would have been very ironic for Joseph to think about that they put him in that prison and now he put them in this prison. Perhaps they too thought of Joseph. It was possible they that they might have considered it because they knew he was sold to the Ishmaelites headed to Egypt. Like, is Joseph here? Is Joseph in Egypt? Is he in this very prison? I don't know. They seem kind Where of dense like yeah, you never know perhaps conviction began to grow in them as they wondered if joseph had ever suffered as they were now mm-hmm. the three days also was for joseph to pray for a plan it gave him time to ponder and pray about what he needed to do next 
Could he trust his brothers? Had they changed? How could he save them? Is his father and brother alive? How can he find out? Joseph knows that their family needs some work before they can fulfill God's plan for them to be a great nation. First, they need to be convicted of their sin, of what they did to Joseph and possibly to what they may have done to Benjamin out of jealousy after they sold Joseph. He doesn't know. Then the brothers must repent and have a change of heart or they're never going to overcome this sin. Joseph has to figure out where they are in their faith journey since they sold him in order to know how to proceed to reunite the family. After three days, Joseph finds his answer in a plan to test his brothers and reveal what is going on in their hearts. Well, I just want to say that this three-day thing is a total Bible bender for me because, of course, all of those stories are familiar. Nehemiah's familiar, Esther's familiar, Jonah and the whale's familiar, Paul, and then if one you didn't even mention was Jesus, Jesus right? Three days. Except he didn't really need to ponder no, or get he a plan. He had However, <laughs> he was that, just paying for our sins. <laughs> when you line them all up like that and you actually realize that they all had that three-day waiting period, there's a lot to think about there to peel back that onion because how often do we really wait for three days after a decision? We're in this right now. I want it. I take it. I Your little thing that you yeah, say all the time. Yeah, I see it. I want it. I, I, it, I, take it. It. I got and, a plan. <laughs> yeah, I got a plan and I'm going to make things happen. Three days. And, and I'm definitely going to put that into practice like right yeah. away. I wish we could just study just that because in all three situations, it was a little different, but God had more things he wanted to do until he wanted them to take action. And so a lot of times it gives God, you know, he's got to move some people. It's not all about us. He's got to move other people around usually for his plan to come through. Well, so. and think about how much can change in three days. Yeah, a lot. You know, and if you're really mad about something, how your perspective changes yeah. in three days. You know, I have a, a little system with my husband where if I have something I want to talk to him about, I don't badger him about it all the time. I write it down. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times when we have our weekly, we call it a marital meeting, and I didn't make this up. I got this from some really good therapist that we yeah. went to at one point in our marriage. But a lot of times I look at my list. He's like, I don't need like, to talk about that. I have no idea why I was so upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I got all the time. <laughs> Remember, I'm not like Joseph. I'm impulsive and I talk too much. It's a really good principle for me. Yeah, it helps. Okay, test part two, the love your brother Benjamin test. He wants to see if they ever got over the jealousy. So Joseph must have deliberated four years about what happened when Jacob learned that Joseph was dead. He knows that his father's affection for Benjamin, Rachel's only other child, and the baby of the family would have doubled. So Joseph's on the picture. He's thinking in his head, oh my gosh, Jacob must have really favored Benjamin. What did they do? He wants to know if Benjamin is okay, or was he mistreated? Did they transfer all that jealousy to him? He must see Benjamin. Benjamin's status will also reveal to Joseph if and what his brothers have learned from their sin against Joseph. Did they repent and learn or did they repeat? Have they learned to control their envy and to love one another selflessly as brothers? Without that love, they can't move forward to be a great nation. I think it's also funny too when they were saying, oh, no, 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 we're really good people. And he was probably like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. I know. I know differently. All right, continuing on in verse 18. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen 
listen, that is why this distress has come on us. Okay, so this test, he's trying to reveal things. And this reveals conviction. They have not forgotten what they did to Joseph. And they are convicted that it was wrong. Hence, this God-ordained distress. They see a a direct correlation between being put in jail to to what they did to Joseph. Verse 22, Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep. Another sweet reveal. Reuben had fought for him. This must have been a tender revelation for Joseph. A thousand times he had probably over the last 13 years contemplated his relationship with each brother one by one and asked, how? How could this one have done this to me? How could Judah have done this to me? How could, you know, each one, you know, you'd probably play your relationship through. How could they all have hated me so much? So to hear that there was one, Reuben, who fought for him would be such a heart-wrenching relief. And so our sweet Joseph, he weeps. Yeah, you're right. And I think earlier you said that he was holding it together really well. And this just really shows the human nature side of him that he really- Oh my gosh, I can remember so many mean girl times where either my girls or even way back in my day, you think mm-hmm. of something, they do something mean to you and think, how can they all do this to you? And then later you find out from one of them, she comes to you and says, I didn't, I didn't, I really like you. And it's just such a relief. Yeah. It's a relief. Mm. All right, back in verse 24, he turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Let's talk about this reveal about Simeon. Reuben's heart is kind of cleared based on what Joseph just heard from him. We don't we don't know truly what Reuben's motive was. Um, he might have just remember been doing that because he was the oldest and he was going to be uh, held accountable to Jacob. But Joseph turns to the second oldest, Simeon, to hold for the ransom of Benjamin. And we all know that Simeon can really use some time in prison to reflect because he was pretty harsh in his revenge of Dinah um, by killing everybody. So he can use some extra repentance. He needs time. a little more than three days to think exactly. about what he did. Exactly. Test part three. All right, so we've seen a little bit of love there. Will the brothers choose evil or good? Will they choose self-serving sin as they did in the past when they were jealous of Joseph and threw him in the cistern or faithful courage to do the right thing, whatever the risk themselves? So this is a big test in moving Israel forward. When Joseph was 17, his brothers made a choice about him. That was the wrong choice. They gave in to sinful emotion. And as far as Joseph knew, there were no consequences because remember they left. He doesn't know. So have they learned anything during their time away? Joseph is going to give them another choice, a right and a wrong. Will they selfishly choose to flee and and abandon another brother, Simeon, in Egypt? Or will they return with courage and face the unknown consequences for what Joseph is about to do? Well, I'm on the edge of my seat, and this is why I love the Bible. So I'm going to continue on in verse 25. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain to put each man's silver back in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank, and they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is this that God has done to us? Fear grips them. As it should. Yeah. (laughs) 
They are at risk for being accused of stealing the grain. How can they ever go back? Yet if they don't go back, Simeon will remain a prisoner. Joseph has created such a tension. Will they abandon Simeon selfishly or will they risk their lives and go back? If they go back, all of them may be imprisoned as thieves, including Benjamin, because they promised that they would not come back without Benjamin. And if Benjamin is imprisoned, oh my gosh, they're dead. Jacob's just going to fall out. So this is just brilliant because he's like, oh, you guys are good. Oh, we'll see how good you are. Yeah. And he's, he's created this masterful test because these are hard decisions. Oh, if they thought it was hard to go back to Jacob with that torn up coat saying that Joseph had been killed, it's going to be even worse this time. This is just. Verse 29, when they came to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. They said, the man who was Lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We were 12 brothers, sons of one father. One is no more. And the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who was Lord over the land said to us, this is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take Take food for your starving households and go, but bring your younger brother to me so I will know that you are not spies, but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack, each man's sack was a pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father, Jacob said to them, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, you may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you and trust him to my care and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, my son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. So a little bit of a reveal here about Reuben. He makes the right choice. He is a good man. He chooses courage and consequences. He will go back for Simeon and he will take the consequences if he fails. So he probably learned from all of his he mistakes. He did. I think so. Yay, Reuben. Yay, Reuben. However, Jacob can't risk the loss. He's suffering still from the loss of Joseph and will not give up Benjamin. And as much as we would like to give Reuben credit right here and right now for having wits enough not to want to kill Joseph, um, he was the brother that impulsively slept with one of Jacob's wives. So Jacob just may not trust him, you know? Uh, well, well, we'll see. Chapter 43. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you even had another brother? They replied, (laughs) the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us, do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, bring your brother down here? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will 
will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. All right, here's our reveal about Judah. He, too, makes the right choice. He chooses courage and the consequences. Remember now, Judah ran away from the family for a time. That's how the whole Tamar thing happened. But he is back. And with Reuben, Simeon, and Levi out for next in line to be God's promised carrier of the future Savior, it is Judah who is next son in line to be the leader of the family. And this is also a good time to remind everybody that the line of Judah is where Christ will come exactly. from. And so this is why humans, we look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And this is that reveal that Judah's yes. heart is pure. And that's probably why, or one of the reasons why God chose him. Jacob must at this point risk the loss or lose the entire family. He knows that it is not God's plan for them all to die. Therefore, he must trust that perhaps God is going to use Judah. Verse 11, then their father Israel said to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once and may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. All right, let's take a little moment just to feel bad for poor Jacob. I just feel bad for him. He's old now and he's lost this one son and now there's a famine. So when they say their family, I mean, remember, they've got sheep and herders and this hundreds of people now and that they're responsible for. And he's scrambling and I'm sure he is being triggered a little. So he's remembering a similarly tense journey years ago. Remember his return to Canaan after 20 years? years of serving with Laban. Then he also prepared gifts in the hopes that it would pave the way to finding favor. But then he was trying to find favor with Esau so Esau wouldn't kill him. Now the gifts are to Pharaoh are for the same reason, to save his boys and their family. The last words that he uttered here are really a prayer for God to intervene with mercy on his family. Next week, the stakes in this game get higher. Joseph plays another trick. Benjamin gets a treat, and Judah will make his case. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to susanme.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio. Edited by Buck Buchanan. Produced by Haley Mawatt.